Hello, this is Tim Convoy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. It's a big day today. Exciting day today as we recognize the installation of Pastor Brandon Hemming. Yeah. He comes to us from the Dayton, Ohio area. And I found out today that Judy went to high the same high school that Brandon went to. Is that right? What? Stebbins. Stebbins? I couldn't spell it, but it's Stebbins, just north. Of, and then I find out someone else. I said, by the way, Robin, where do you hail from? One of our new folks here. She goes, from Dayton area. Someone has left a door open in Dayton. <laughs> Keep coming. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're excited what God's doing here, excited what God's doing in each of our lives. Today, we're not going to be in the book of Romans, because I know that you know there's a reception following right afterwards. So kind of like those that, you know, instead of signing the Magna Carta real quick, they're like halfway down the fellowship hall ready to eat. And so uh, we will be heading there. But as we think of Brandon's installation today, I got thinking of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God's calling. Now, I, I love the text where it speaks of God's high call, pressed towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And what's interesting, it means to cheer on as a spectator. So God is cheering you on and cheering me on, cheering new life on as a spectator. He's watching us and he's cheering us on. And he's saying, go, you got this. You keep pressing towards that mark. And I found it interesting in the letter to the Ephesians that Paul writes about this calling, this high calling of God as he cheers us on. And he writes it in the context of the church body. Now, as we think of the installation and the welcoming of Brandon and Kristen and Liam and Hayden, their, their two children, as we think of welcoming you to our fellowship, I want to remind each of us of the calling, not just the calling as a pastor, uh, but the calling that God has on each of us and all of us. You see, when I look in, in Ephesians 4, I see God's calling. I see God's calling on all of us. I see God's calling on each of us. And I see God's calling on some of us. You follow what I'm, I'm trying to get at here? A lot of us is going on. My Irish grandmother, I think I've told you before, she used to say to me, remember, Timmy, there's so much good in the worst of us and so much bad in the best of us, it wouldn't behoove any of us to talk about the rest of us. A lot of us is going on there, right? It's a good thing to remember. So much good in the best of us, so much good in the worst of us, so much bad in the best of us, wouldn't behoove any of us to talk about the rest of us. Well, today I'm going to talk about all of us, <laughs> but in a good setting, in a good light. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes, and he begins with the call to all. And he begins by saying, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. Now, 
If you may have a translation, the first calling may be vocation. If you have King James Version, King James will say that you would walk worthy of a vocation with which you are called. And then he goes on to say, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing, or literally forbearing, with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The call to all. Paul begins by speaking to the church there at Ephesus. And this was, you know, it would be Western Turkey today, the lower portion. And the church of Ephesus was really instrumental in starting all the area churches around them. Matter of fact, you'll read about seven churches in the book of Revelation. And those seven churches were planted through the ministry of the church at Ephesus. And so he's writing to this church as a very active church, a very metropolitan church. It's a very um, spirit-filled church. They get out there and they're planting other churches. But he writes to them and he reminds them of their calling. He reminds them that they are as we are. We are a called out assembly. Amen? So whenever you have a a group of people assembling, we ask the question, why are they assembling? Why are you here today? And the reason that you're here, the reason that I'm here, is because God called us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen? As a matter of fact, he'll say there'll be a trend in the last days that there'll be a forsaking of the assembling together as such the manner of some is. So some, more and more, as we get closer to the last days, there'll be a forsaking of assembling together. But he's told us to encourage one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Listen, there are a lot of things calling us today, aren't there? There's a lot of things calling and wanting our attention. A lot of things calling us uh, to, to do things or to go places. Hey, I have a vacation that's been calling me for a year now. And I plan on answering that call. Amen. Things call us. You know, we we wish, we, we think, well, I could just go about my day and do whatever. Uh, no, there's things that call. Our bills call us. Right? <laughs> we don't like the answer to call, but they call us. And they call us to do things, to occupy, have an occupation. You know, the word occupation means to occupy and what we are doing, we are occupying ourselves with a job and an occupation in order to pay our bills. Why? Because our bills are calling us. What's interesting in this text, that when he is speaking about God, he said, walk worthy of the calling of God. This word here, the first word calling is sometimes translated, is the word not occupation, but vocation, boca, voice, vocabulary. The word vocation is your calling. You are here today because God called you and I out of bed, out of our house, and to assemble together, right? Listen, God is the one that, if you want to say invented church. Church means to call out, a called out assembly. And there is a trend not to be called out, not to not to assemble. But I see it. I see it like a campfire where, where all these sticks are burning, but you pull one stick out. You know what that stick's going to do? It'll burn for a little while. Then what happens? Just smoke. Just smoke. 
But if you take that stick and put it with the other sticks, before you know it, each of the sticks are helping each other stay on fire. Amen? That's it. That's how it works. You and I are, are sticks where God's firewood to keep it burning. I don't know about you, but I know about me. And I need to be around you guys. When you're on fire, it keeps me on fire. When I'm on fire, I want to help keep someone else on fire. We are here to help keep each other on fire for the Lord. Amen? Because by ourselves, we can't do it, right? The Lord, if, if we could, the Lord would say, I'll see you in glory. Don't worry about it. And we'd say, well, what about church? And the Lord said, what's church? We didn't invent church. He invented church. He invented a called out assembly so that we can stay together, keep each other on fire for the Lord. So the first word in calling we saw here is the word klesis, K-L-E-S-I-S, klesis, vocation. All of us have an occupation, or most of us have an occupation, but with that occupation, do you know that's what we occupy, but what is greater is not your occupation, but your vocation. You know what makes your vocation more valuable than your occupation? The one that's doing the calling. Right? Because it's your bills or my bills that are doing the calling that, that calls me to an occupation. Right? <laughs> you understand how this works. You're like, I always wondered how you took care of those things. That's right. You have the occupation. And the, and the bills may call us to this occupation, our livelihood to put food on the table. But there is a vocation that has greater value because it comes from God. The one who is calling, the one who is doing the calling is God. And every one of us, even in our occupation, let me tell you something. I know, I know you're not supposed to bring Jesus into the workplace, but I want, I'm here to tell you something. When the Spirit of God tells you to speak to someone at work, you better speak to them. Because your vocation is greater than your occupation. Right? That's right. And if you can't, and listen, if your occupation tells you to, to turn in and look aside from your integrity, I'm here to tell you there is a vocation that says your integrity and your character is higher than your occupation. Amen? You better walk away from that occupation if they're, they're wanting you to lie or to cook the books or do something that's, that's unethical or illegal. Not that any business out there would ever do that, right? <laughs> no, never. Especially if you're working for... Never mind. We have to realize there is an occupation that we occupy ourselves with, but there is a greater thing, which is the calling of God, which is the vocation of God. And listen, if you sacrifice the vocation for your occupation, you are settling for far less than second best. But if you are willing to sacrifice your occupation to maintain your vocation, your calling of God and what God's called you to do, let me tell you, he's got something better for you. And I've, I've seen, I've known accountants that, that refuse to do something illegal, refuse to cook the books, refuse to tell a lie. I've, I've seen other people in very high positions refuse to, to forego their integrity for the cause of Christ. And you know what happened? They got fired. Now, wait a minute. I thought all things worked together for good. Well, they're not done yet, were they? But they got fired from there. And guess what? God had something better for them. And he, they never would have got to that level had they forfeited their integrity and put their occupation above their vocation. 
Never put your occupation before your vocation. Amen? And that, and that holds true for myself. You say, well, your vocation and occupation are the same thing. Because <laughs> he knew I couldn't. You know, I had, he had to keep it simple for me. He goes, Tim, you, you, you won't figure this out. Amen. Amen. Is that another window washer I heard out there? But you know, and it's it's funny. I remember one time I was working at a a company, satellite receiver company, and and I used to leave gospel tracts around for people just in case they wanted to read the gospel while they're in a certain room. And they always would shred it up and leave it in a little pile for me so they knew. And then they called me in the office and the boss and a couple of the other higher bosses called me in and just laughed at me and scorned me. And, uh, and they said, hey, did you see that little pamphlet you left in the men's room? Because at that time it was floating in the little water thing in there. And I said, listen, you can mock God all you want. But don't be surprised if someday he flushes you down. Yeah. I, don't, I was a new believer, so I didn't have much tact. I was like, and they, 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 did, they just laughed. They're like, are you kidding? They went on to tell me how many millions they were in the black. And I was like, okay. But you know, there were three of us that were there that were believers. Each one had gone off to a different thing and went on to a different occupation or whatever and I was the last one out and the Lord called me to Bible college so I went on to Bible college and while I was at Bible college I found out later three months after all the believers were out of there the whole company closed what they didn't know is even on the books it showed millions in the black they didn't realize the bookkeeper was embezzling millions into his pocket and I heard this yeah. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I got to be careful. Hey, God is not mocked, right? God is not mocked. But the bottom line is this. It's not about my experience or your experience. The bottom line is there is a God who has a vocation for you and for me. And that vocation, that calling, he says, walk worthy of the vocation, the calling with which you were called. This word called is not klesis. This word is kaleo, K-A-L-E-O, in case you're wondering. Kaleo. Kaleo literally means this. I love it. To summon to a feast. To summon to a feast. It's an invitation to a wedding feast, an invitation to a wedding banquet. And as we think of that, the vocation of God, the calling of God has with it, you know, when we're doing our occupation, we're mindful of our vocation, but we're also mindful of our invitation. And our invitation is linked to our vocation. You understand occupation, that just puts food on the, on the table. It's good, right? It's good to eat. Amen? Amen. You know it is, baby. But the vocation is God's call in our life. And the invitation is the summon to join him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? Do you remember a few months back where we were going through all this and then the parallel, or parallel, 
the parable where the Lord sends out his servants and he invites the noble and the rich and the mighty to come to the wedding feast. He said, everything's ready, come on. And they said, no, nah, I'm busy. No, I can't make it. No, I got something going on. And he came back and he told the, the, the master of the house, he said, sorry, they're all busy. You don't tell the king you're too busy to come to his son's wedding feast, right? And so... So then he sends them back out and he says, go into the highways and the hedgerows and compel them to come in. Find the lame, find the broken, find the homeless, find the hurting and invite them to the wedding feast that my house might be full. Amen. And so he does that and, and all of them start responding. Now think of that. Go out in the highways and go out in the hedgerows. Who's living in the hedgerow? You know, that's the, the strip of land between the fields where the trees and bushes are. But he said, but there's people living out there. Go in those hedgerows. Find those homeless. Find the least of these and invite them. And you know what happened? His house is full. Because when they heard that invitation, they said, wow. The king's inviting me to his son's wedding feast? Man, that's pretty awesome, amen? And man, it's like, okay. I mean, how many of you, I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on, if the President of the United States invited you to, to the White House or a banquet, how many would go? Some of your sheep is like, don't take my picture. <laughs> Man, I would go. I would have gone under the previous administration. Only because I know the food's good. That's all I would have. No selfies. <laughs> I better... You know, I'm just playing, teasing on this stuff. But the bottom line is, I'm going to get in trouble. You guys, cool it. The bottom line is this. You and I are called to the king of kings wedding feast. Amen? And the picture is this. As you are collectively, as we are collectively going together, our journeying together, all of us that are saved as believers, we are all going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? And as you're on your way, walk like you're on your way to the King's wedding feast. Amen? Walk like it. Some of the, I tell you, sometimes people that are, that are um, on the outside of Looking at the grace believers, they say, oh, those grace believers, they're, they're like, you could just live like the devil because you're under grace. Let me tell you, if you embrace grace, you don't want to live like the devil. You understand, wow, I've been living in the hedgerow. And the king of kings invited me to the wedding feast. And he looked at me and he said, and you can't go like that. So here's your wedding garment. Amen? Clothe us in the righteousness of Christ. And he calls us to the wedding feast. And I don't know about you, but I'd be like... I, I would have Noah help me. I've seen Noah walk like that. He's got that coolness about him. I'm not that cool. I just kind of sleek along. Speaking of cool, how you doing, Teed? You doing good? Hey, man, Teed fell and broke some ribs, and here he is in the house of the Lord, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo. Wow. When you are in your low 90s, and still chugging along for the glory of God. Amen. Coming back from a powwow. He's my hero. He's my hero. Pray for those ribs. They saw your teeth. Love you, brother. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Where was I? Heading to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He says, now walk like you are. 
And I'm like, well, what's that look like? He goes, I knew you'd have trouble with it, Tim. So I wrote it out in verse 2. He said, walk worthy, a worthy walk. Walk with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He says, a worthy walk is a walk of lowliness. I love this word. I love what this word means. It means, are you ready? A deep sense of one's littleness. I like that. A deep sense of one's littleness. You're like, it doesn't do much for me. Pride has a deep sense of one's bigness. And they think they're all that in a bag of chips. Man, I, I'm humble and proud of it. Never meet those, you're like, wow. I mean, pride, pride wants to be served. Humility is willing to serve. He says, walk in low, walk with an understanding to him, a deep sense of your littleness. And when you look at your littleness and my bigness, and I'm the one that is calling you to come to my feast, to my banqueting table. Man, that's a walk that, that's not going, yeah, yeah, I'm one of the noble, one of the mighty, one of the, one of the big wigs. No, no, no. I said, man, I know where he found me in that hedgerow. And he called me out and he invited me. And I have a deep sense of that and a deep gratitude to think that, man, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords would invite me to live for eternity with him in glory. Isn't that something? Thank you, Jesus. You give it up for the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Have you ever seen, you ever seen a, 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 a drawback of the camera where someone's like standing here and all of a sudden it pulls back and you see him like at about 40 feet and then 100 and then you see from the atmosphere and then you see the earth and then you see the solar system and then you see the universe. Have you ever seen any... You could, some of you go, yeah, yeah. When you look at this huge one sentence, this huge universe, and you look at this one sentence, and you look at this solar system, and, and you look at our galaxy, and you look at our planet, and then you look at our country, and then you go down and look at our state, and then our town, and then our church, and then our seat, and then me. Wow. The psalmist says, what is man that thou art mindful of him we're like a speck of dust aren't we we're we're nothing without him we are nothing without him we could do nothing but with him we are everything and with him we can do everything in christ amen wow but god says listen he says i stiff arm the proud but i'll give grace to the humble he says if you think you can do all these things without me have fun trying but once you realize a deep sense of your littleness, man, I can't do anything without Jesus. I can't even walk without you holding my hand, the songwriter said. Amen? So that's what it means, a deep sense, lowliness of heart. And then he says, a worthy walk is a walk of gentleness. It literally means be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Is that too hard sometimes? <laughs> maybe sometimes. <laughs> be kind. Now, maybe you're like me. Every time I say be kind, you know what comes in my head? Be kind. Rewind. 
<laughs> you remember that? For those who remember VC, v, VCRs, you know, be kind, rewind. The rest of them are going, oh, I don't get it. Talk to someone over 40, they'll tell you about it. Be kind to people. With Walk with gentleness. Walk with kindness to people. Be kind to each other. And he says, walk with kindness and gentleness and long-suffering. It means be patient. Be patient with each other. Not all of us think the same. <laughs> Not all of us act the same. Not all of us have the same background. Be patient with each other. You know why? Because they're going to need to be patient with you someday. Amen? Amen. Be patient. And then he says, forbearing one another in love. Forbearing. Forbearing means to come alongside and uphold. It's the idea of a wounded soldier. And the wounded soldier is down on one knee, and you come alongside, and you put his arm around your head, and you lift him up and say, come on, let me help you. It's a sad day in Christianity where more Christians are shooting their wounded than lifting them up and helping them along. We see that. We see people hurt and fall and, and they stumble and, and we go, oh boy. And we get this judgmental heart and attitude in other churches, in other states I'm talking about. Rather than saying, except for the grace of God, there goes me. Right? And when you understand God's grace and you have a deep sense of your own littleness, you say, you know what? Let me help you up, brother. <laughs> Let me help you up, sister. Let me help you move forward. And he says, and while you're doing this, you have unconditional love, verse 2, with the ultimate goal of this, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Endeavor means to set out with a purpose. Your purpose and my purpose is to keep the unity of the Spirit. So when you have that calling to all of us, it's a worthy calling. It's walk worthy. It's a calling to all of us to be humble, to be patient with each other, to be kind to each other, to uplift each other and be helpful to each other with the ultimate goal that says, I am here to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Because I don't know about you, but if you looked around, you'll find all of us are different. Amen? Aren't you glad that God didn't clone us all exactly alike? Yeah, that's a hearty amen. We need to see, when we see things rather, when you see things that are different than you were brought up or different than you would have done it or different style than you preferred, rather than let the devil divide us over our differences, we need to let the Holy Spirit unite us over our common goal or common ground, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus Christ is what brought us here together and it's a call to all of us. And there's a call to each of us, verse 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Calling, calling, calling. We are called to have hope. Remember, anyone know the definition of hope? Anyone? Expectation of good things. And an expectation of good things is an expectation of God things. We are called to have an expectation of good things. When we come to the Lord's house, we should expect good things because we expect God things. Amen? 
we should come with hope and say, you know, I really believe God's going to do something. How many come to church believing God is going to do something? Amen? Amen. I got, I believe it. I start, I say, Lord, I believe it. And as you do something, start with me. Do something with me. Help me to be open. Help me to be ready. Help me to see what you are doing. Help me to have that expectation. And I believe as we are established in the new covenant, as we are established in the word of righteousness, as we are established in Jesus Christ, I believe we will see good things because we will see God things here at New Life. Amen? We will see souls saved. We will see believers maturing. We will see prayers offered. We will see healing manifested. We will see people delivered. And we will see God glorified and moving. Amen? How many want to see that in our assembly? Amen. That's what I want to see. And that is our call. God calls us. He calls all of us to this worthy walk. He calls each of us to realize that we are one in Christ. And he calls us to have a hope of our calling, an expectation of good things. And with that, verse 7, he says, but to each of us, not just all of us, to each of us, each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. The measure of Christ's gift. We were making banana bread yesterday. I, I don't know. I wish you could just throw things together and it just happens. But my wife says, no, no, no. You got to measure out so much of this. And it, what's baking soda all about anyways? <laughs> I taste it. Ah, that's disgusting. I couldn't believe a cup of sugar went into a loaf of banana bread. I can eat a cup of sugar in, an a, in a, not half an hour, in a day. I could whittle through a loaf of banana bread. And they're like, wow, there's a lot of sugar in there. I better back it off. But it goes in by measure, right? Each ingredient tastes not too good by itself, but all together tastes wonderful. Amen? Each of us have a measure of the gift that we've been given. I have not only a gift of teaching, but gift of evangelism. But I want you to know my measurement, the measurement of my gift is different than the measurement of Billy Graham's gift of evangelism. You understand that? We all have access into his grace according to his riches, not in, you know, out of his riches, but according. If God's riches are here, the access to the grace of God is the same according to the riches. He says, but the measurement of the gift is different for each of us. So he said there's a call to all of us. And there's a call to each of us. Each one of us have been given a gift the day you got saved. And God has given you access into his grace and into his presence. Amen? And God wants you to use that gift. And he wants you to use it for his glory and his body united together in one spirit. And then he said, this is the call to each of us. This is a, you're called to a worthy walk to protect the unity. And each of us are called to exercise our gift. But there's a call to all of us, a call to each of us, and a call to some of us. And that's verse 11. He says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Body fortification. You see, what God's saying here is that we all have a calling. To walk worthy, all of a calling to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. All of us 
are the sum total of each of us. Right? We all are the sum total. So if, if, if we got 40 people that come with a hopeful expectation that God's going to do something, and then you got 160 that says, I don't think anything's going to happen today. What's the sum total? It's like, yeah, I don't think much is going to happen today. We want the sum total to say, yeah, I believe God's going to work today. Amen? So there's a calling to all of us and a calling to each of us, each with their own responsibility of the gift that's given and use it. Get plugged in. Get serving. So I encourage you to be involved serving your Lord. And some of us have a different calling, another calling, and that's a call to servant leadership. And he explains these gifts here between apostle, means sent one, uh, the, the prophetic New Testament prophets, a little different. That's more of the proclamation. And the evangelist is the one that evangelizes. The pastor is the shepherd. The teacher is the teacher. And you can, you can do a full study in all five of these gifts. But when you look at this, the bottom line is this. My personal, my vocation, occupation happen to be the same thing. But I am no different and no better than you. And you are no different and no better than me. Right? God doesn't bend an ear closer to me for the prayers than he does for you for the prayers. I mean, I need Pastor Tim to pray for me. God, I need God to answer this. I got to get to Pastor Tim. Remember, for those wondering what that, anytime you hear that noise, how do you do it? There you go. That means amen. The thing is, you have access to the same God I have access to. I just have a different calling in my life as far as my vocation and occupation. And Pastor Brandon has a different calling in his life than I have. Let me tell you, the last thing you ever want is more pastors just like me. <laughs> I had five or I had actually six pastors on staff in Florida, and we were all different, all uniquely gifted different, all different personalities, all different gifting and anointing. All of us were different. Even our Spanish pastor, I mean, he was similar in teaching gifts as me, but he taught the Spanish church, and so he spoke Spanish. No hablo espanol. I may look like Juan Valdez, but I'm not. I was on duty this week, so I had to take it off. Anyways, focus. My gifting is that of the teacher, pastor teacher, the shepherding you, teaching the Word of God, helping you reach God, understand, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Brandon's gifting and teaching is more the pastor prophet, where I'm more the pastor teacher. He's, he'll, he'll help us come into the presence of God, to know the mind of God, to be moved by the Spirit of God, to understand that dynamic and to work alongside this. Now, it's all about the proper mixture when you're making banana bread. Right? And it's also about the proper mixture as we bring on pastors and staff, as we bring on leaders, servant leaders, to have that proper mix. Some people connect to God cerebrally with their mind. And they're, they can, they're all excited, man. They just, you know how many people have been asking me for maps? We need maps again. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, bud. I come here for maps. Some connect with God cerebrally. 
Some very soulishly, and their music is very soulish and, and very um, emotional driven. You know the soul music, it, it's, it's, it's emotional. And one, one is mind and head, one's emotion, other is spirit. And, and some say, well, well, man, I, this, I, you know, I connect a guy like this, and, and they're, they're all about emotions, they're all about experience, and, and I'm all about Bible study. And let me tell you something. God says we are to love Him and we are to worship Him with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our emotions, our soul. Amen? The church of Jesus Christ has fractured. The devil has divided us out into all these different camps. And it's all mostly by style of worship. Is that right? You know, there's some of us that are, you know, I, I was in a stony-faced Baptist church for many years. So we were, I'm not dissing about it. I'm just telling you where I was from. I was in a liturgical church. I was raised Catholic most of my life. And then I was in the, with the Baptist brethren, and they're awesome. They, let me tell you something. They know the Word of God. They just struggle with the Spirit of God sometimes. You know? But, you know, I'm telling you, I was there. I was, I was guilty of it. Sometimes we think the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Bible. <laughs> Instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I got in trouble. Down in Florida, they said, I heard you're a Baptocostal. <laughs> a Baptocostal? <laughs> I said, well, what got me that title? You know what got me that title? Our organist. And we had an organ in our church. <laughs> Matter of fact, everyone brought their own. <laughs> that was a good one, actually. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'll be here all week. No, I won't. I'll be on vacation. Um, <laughs> I said, what gives, what gave us that title? They said, I heard uh, you had Miss so-and-so, they knew her, that you anointed her with oil, and you laid hands on her even, and you prayed that her knee would be healed because she had a bad knee. I go, yeah. <laughs> well, boy, word's getting around on you, brother. I said, well, you know what happened? I read the book of James. And in the book of James, he said, if anyone's sick, call the elders and let them anoint them and let them lay on hands and pray for them, and the sick shall be healed. Amen? Wow. It's like, I'm serious. I'm serious. I got blackballed for a few years when I started the church because I was at the cost. And then I went a step further. And I advertised the revival meeting we were having, and I advertised on a country music station. <laughs> oh, I heard about that one, man. I heard your church is advertising a revival on a country music station. That's what he told me. I said, how do you know? <laughs> I did. I'll tell you. People are crazy, aren't they? We're just crazy. <laughs> what are we doing with, with the church of Jesus Christ today? You know, I learned later on, I am proud to wear that title as Baptocostal. Bring it on. Because I want to be solid in the Word of God, and I don't want to discount the emotions and excited about experiencing God working in our midst. Amen? I'll tell you, that's the blend. 
That's the blend we need to have. The church of Jesus Christ needs to have the Spirit of God moving freely, the gifts of God in activation, the grace of God accessible to all, and the Word of God preached from the pulpits. Amen? We are growing anemic churches out there. We are because they don't know the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God because He is placed at high above even the heavens and the earth. Amen? And the only way to know the Word of God is through the Spirit of God. Amen? So you got to have them both. Got to have them both. And so I'm open. I'm open. Lord, this is your church. It's not my church and it's not our church. This is Jesus Christ's church. Amen? And I say, Lord, you make it what you want us to be. And you help me to be pliable in your hands. Help me not to be a whiner, because I could be a whiner. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, all right, you're like, what, what is the most blessed music? All right, I like country gospel. All right? I'm a country gospel guy. Does country go- God, God knew about country gospel. He was country before country was cool. He knew about it. I can't listen fast enough to hear the rap gospel music. But I read one one day. I was reading it. I said, man, this thing's got some solid doctrine. What is this? My brother said, those are the lyrics to this song that we've been singing in our youth group. I'm like, no. I can't even hear them that fast. And I'll listen to it and follow that. I go, Sure enough, that was some solid theology in there. And I was like, man, you're singing that? I don't know what what group it was, senators or somebody like that or something. I don't don't even know these groups. I don't even know actors or actresses. Don't ask me, you know. But you know what I realized? There's so much good in the worst of us, so much bad in the best of us, that it wouldn't behoove any of us to talk about the rest of us. Amen? Let God do His thing. I was raised different. I've come from different backgrounds, different church. You were raised from different backgrounds, different churches. Some were liturgical churches like I was raised in. Uh, some were more conservative churches as far as their expressions and their emotions. You know, when I, when I hear, and I could hear when I was back here, someone giving a loud hallelujah. Is that legal in the house of God? You know what happened? Some of these folks, some of our members here have been literally saved out of the jaws of death more than one time. And they're happy to express it. And that's why they're so spread. Amen? And we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You see, friends, we all should be grateful. We all should be worshiping. But sometimes our gratitude is different depending on what's been going on. I was going down uh, crossing the bridge in Louisville, Kentucky. Did I say it right? Louisville? Louisville? It's hard for a New Yorker to say Louisville. Louisville. And I was passing a tractor trailer, and just as I passed, this was a number of years ago, all of a sudden I, I hear, it wasn't my fault. And I was driving along, somebody rear ends somebody else next to me, and the track trailer is behind that one. The track trailer hit the binders. Binders are the old CB words for brakes. And when he hits the brakes, the whole tractor trailer 
is jackknifing. All I can see in my rearview mirror is some tomato company. And that thing jackknifed right across the entire bridge. And all I could hear, behind me. I'm telling you again, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. But when I passed through that, there was many, many car pileup. And I'm, I was on the other side of it. Let me tell you something. I had a heart of gratitude. That was a little bit different, a little deeper, and a little more meaning to it than I've had other times. I may be grateful. Thank you, Lord, for a good, safe trip here. That's how I was like, whoo. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful that I wasn't part or underneath that tractor trailer. Do you understand what I'm getting at? It's gratitude, but there's a different expression of that. And that's what I see when I look at us as we worship. Some have an expression one way. Some have a deeper, deep, different expression. But you know what? Whatever and however... Oh, I will throw myself out of here. However you worship God, do it to the glory of God. Amen? Amen! So, anyways, don't, don't get me going. And how long do we do all this? Oh, we do it, by the way, Pastor Branding, for the equipping of the saints. His job, my job, servant leader's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The most important thing for us to remember as servant leaders is this, that you are saints. You are God's holy ones. That's what it means, right? He saved you and He made you holy in Christ. As leaders, we need to remember that these are holy sons and daughters of the living God. And our job is to serve them, to equip them, to fully furnish them. What do you need? How can we help you? What do you need to do the ministry and the gifting that God's given you? That is our calling, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ, to make our body stronger. Amen? To make the saints stronger in Jesus Christ. That's our body fortification. How long? Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge. See, get the teaching. I like that word. Of the Son of God. To a perfect man. Ladies, there are such things. We'll leave it there. <laughs> I think all the guys are chuckling on that one. Actually, it's uh, King James Version, Psalm 37, verse 37. His name is Mark. If I meet someone named Mark, I would say, Hey, Mark, you realize you are the perfect man. Psalm 37, 37. It says, King James, Mark, the perfect man. It says it. It does. It means mature. To the maturity. This is our, you know, we got body fortification, spiritual maturation, maturity. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He doesn't measure you and I compared to you and I. We are measured compared to Christ. He's growing us. Big shoes to fill. Yeah, he's growing us into Christ. That we should, here it is now, no longer be children. Tossed to and fro. Carried about with every wind of doctrine. Churches are getting away from doctrine. You better get into doctrine. 
the teaching of the Word of God. By the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. He says, so we should no longer be children, but verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. Sometimes we just need to grow up. Amen? Just grow up. He said, all this calling, all these giftings, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Spiritual maturity. That's what it's about. Amen? Growing in spiritual maturity. And so I need to learn not to focus and let the devil get me focusing on our differences. But I need to have a heart that endeavors for the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace until we are all united. And by the way, we're probably going to be really surprised when we get to heaven and see who all is there. Right? One of which I'm going to go meet Lot. Lot? How in the world did you get here? Right? But Scripture said, Lot, the righteous man, three times in one verse. Because he was justified by faith. When we get to heaven, we might be surprised by who we see. But on our way there, remember the high calling of God. He's invited you to the wedding feast. Walk worthy, deep sense of our littleness. Be gentle, be humble, help each other up, help each other on. Endeavor to keep the unity for the bond of peace. This is what we are all called. A calling to all of us. A calling to each of us to use your gift according to the measure God's given you. And, according, and a call to some of us to be the servant leaders that God's called us to be. To equip you, the holy ones of God. To do the work of the ministry alongside of us. To the glory of God. Amen? Can we do that? Yeah! And with that in mind, I am now going to call our elders up as we install... Pastor Brandon, I'm going to invite Pastor Brandon and Kristen, and we could use two chairs, please.